0: Hello everyone, today in the studio I have Sophia Jogola. I met Sophia through a friend of mine, and in her first conversation, it was one of those conversations that just felt real. Like I was talking to an authentic person who was working on diving into her struggles, and does what it takes to live in her highest, infinite awareness. Sophia is an artist, and I would have to say an awareness junkie. I mean, she's it. She's, she's alive. Please welcome Sophia.
1: Good morning, and I, I just don't... I, my fear and concern is that I'm not going to do the podcast any justice by coming from uh, the space that I'm in this morning, feeling very anxious, very heavy, um, very lonely and, and sad and all of these things.
0: So, yeah, I get that. And um, I wonder if it's the weather in there too a bit. I'm feeling a bit of the same kind of uh, feelings going on. And I don't know if, like, if I've been picking them up or what, but... But sometimes I think it's nice to have different feelings like this and be able to sink into them. And sometimes it just makes us breathe and uh, move deeper.
1: Yeah, I I know that, you know, life is about experiencing everything and, you know, no feeling is a bad feeling per se.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Can I ask what started your, this uh, cycle of feelings? Pardon? Can I ask what started this uh, oh. cycle?
1: Um, it's, it's a culmination of um, situations going on. So, I mean, waking up this morning, I haven't done my meditation. And I think the weather um, does have a lot to do with it for me, not getting enough sun um Mm -hmm. but also i just i have this really heavy sad feeling because um my work hours are evenings and weekends and it's really challenging for me to have a um like to build a relationship and date and meet people so that i can have a family because as i would really like to have that in my life and my work hours are very restrictive to be able to spend a lot of quality time with someone or even spend a whole day with someone, you know. to So Friday, today, my only day off during the week, and I'm by myself because most people are working.
0: Mm, oh, so that's kind of where the loneliness comes in.
1: Yeah, and when I'm at work, I'm by myself most of the time as well in the show suite. and I'm an extrovert, I, so I really... I I enjoy being around people, of course, not all people, you know. Mm-hmm. But but I really miss and crave um, quality connection, and I haven't had that for um, for too long. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. I I totally understand that, and um, I just wonder what um, what part of like why are you creating this? Like you know. Mm. Where, you know, you're in this show suite all by yourself most of the time. And, you know, what part of you doesn't feel deserving of something better?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Okay, well, maybe that's where I need to go today. And and that's what I need to look into. Because uh, growing up, I was alone quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I hated it. Um, because I'm an only child as well. And my mom was a single mom, so she was working all of the time. And and so I just spent a lot of time alone. And it's most of the jobs that I've been in have not been like this. You know, at this point in my life, it really helped support me in in my healing journey because it wasn't overly challenging. There weren't too many demands. And now I feel like I'm at the point where it's, you know, because it was just so slow, you know, a part of my self confidence and self worth has been lowered by being in this job. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Well, you know, like, yeah, it does make sense, but sometimes what happens is that when we put ourselves in those positions, it allows us to see what's truly actually there. Now, that's not that it's actually lowering your self worth, but it's actually dropping you into a space where you get to see the truth. Where you get to see what's, what was really happening because you're starting to move away from um, all this busyness that's keeping you from seeing what's truly um, occurring. I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: Oh, of course it does.
0: So like when you were, you know, being raised and, you know, all these belief systems that you you were accepting... and then you went out of that phase and you know you tried to be resilient and living in a in a lifestyle that kind of shaded all that stuff Um, and now you're working on yourself and now you know things are starting to become um, illuminated and this might be one part of you that's becoming illuminated and it could be very well why you chose this job to put you in a space to illuminate that part of yourself so that you could dive deeper and then um, move into a space where, yeah, you're in full awareness of it. And maybe the invitation is to be in that space and how can you be in that space and be perfectly happy with just being in nothing.
1: Right. And just being with myself yeah. and not using other people as a distraction or tasks or things to do.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I kind of I, I resonate with, with what you're talking about because I was always kind of looking outside of myself for... Uh, to just to make me feel something, right? Just to make me feel... Um, maybe appreciated, uh, loved, you know, all sorts of things uh, that I think are quite natural for the human being to desire. And, you know, I dropped into this space where where I had to work on that I actually am enough, that I actually have everything I need right here in myself. And it was quite a difficult um, journey to dive into that. Uh, Loneliness, a lot of loneliness came up, but on the other side of it, um, I mean, the other day I put on um, an event in the park. Uh, It was an eye-gazing event, and I went there and sat there in one of our largest parks in the city And this huge green space, and you know, when I went into this space, I was the only person there, and I'm really being seen by people that are walking on on the paths and stuff. I was elated because I didn't care. I I felt held by something more than some like a human being outside of myself that Mm -hmm. that I should never rely on anyway, and. You know, I sat there in that grass being quiet and just feeling the energy of nature and of the park. And just in that moment, I was like, I don't care if anybody comes. If I'm the only one here for this whole hour, I'm, going, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm really enjoying being by myself. And actually, that was one of the first times that I was in a public place like that. That I was truly centered and happy. And actually, since then, I've had quite a bit of that happening. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I, maybe that's your invite.
1: Yeah. Um, just to, I, I definitely can see what you're talking about. Um, Right now, I feel it. Dis- I feel it dissipating um, in my body. Just even, even to sit and acknowledge how I'm feeling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because this morning I was, you know, doing things to try and distract, cleaning my condo, doing things to distract myself from what's going on under the surface. There's times where I do accept being alone, but a lot of it is. You know, like sometimes I'll use meditation to change my state and get somewhere else rather than just be with what's going on. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was, uh, Mm -hmm. found myself in yoga for a long time, um, just being a part of yoga to avoid. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, although these, these techniques are really, they're really great for raising the energy and raising consciousness. They can also be used as um, an addiction because you're, it's a distraction. You're changing your state um, and not acknowledging where you are. It's like you know how people talk about spiritual bypassing, right? Mm-hmm. It's using tools and, and things, or you know, marijuana or ayahuasca or all of these you know different modalities to distract themselves from where they are.
0: Exactly. And, you know, that's where I was before, you know, being able to be. Let me back up. You know, I went through some some life changing experiences. And when I came back to yoga, I was like, you know, I was very centered and I was like, why am I going to yoga this morning? You know, I started asking myself these questions. Is this right for me? And, you know, some of the answers that came up, I wasn't happy with. And it was like, you know, one of the answers that came up was you're going for connection. I'm like, well, that's not a very good reason to go to yoga. That's not why I should be going to yoga. It's not for connection. Not to people anyway, maybe connection to myself, but that's not why I was going. I was going to basically to avoid being with me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This topic, actually, I think is so important and something that's not really talked about and addressed as much as it should be, or as much as what would be beneficial in a person's healing journey.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, it's the the intention behind why you're actually drawn to a certain um, healing modality. What are you using it for? And what are you trying to escape from and hide from and avoid? And that might not be evident until later on when you're having, when someone's having a day like I'm having, just, you know, feeling really heavy and alone and wanting to escape it. You know, I just want to, you know, maybe go out or go be in public and go to a coffee shop and work on something and distract myself and avoid. And, do a meditation and just to get out of this feeling. But, you know, I think that when you're in the feeling and you're sitting with it and and just acknowledging and talking about it like we are right now, it dissipates and you don't actually need to do all of these other things to avoid yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. So then comes the question, are we, by having this conversation, are you avoiding it or are you actually dropping into it?
1: I was dropping into it. I know that you couldn't see my video, but I had tears streaming down my face when you were talking about um, your experience in the park because I was just sitting there and breathing through what I was feeling and allowing myself to just be with that feeling and allow the emotion of it to to be seen by me, to be felt by me fully. Mm -hmm. And I do feel... A lot better right now in this moment and it's not because i was distracted actually i was very hesitant to come on this call with you
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because i
1: didn't yeah i i also felt like i didn't want to be seen by someone else in this state as well and i just find that when i'm feeling anxious or depressed or sad or lonely all of these things i tend to avoid people
0: yeah, that's funny as when, but, but at the same time, um, so I think what you're doing is avoiding people that matter. And then we go into, like, we go to places like, um, yoga studios and, you know, self help centers and, or whatever, where there's lots of people, or we go shopping, we do all sorts of stuff where we're around people we don't know while we're in this space, um, just to kind of, um create some static so we don't have to feel but the but but you're right the the, the, the beautiful part of it is, is when you actually have the courage to drop into that feeling and you know let the tears roll and just breathe in it and be with yourself with your core the the other side of it is absolutely freaking beautiful.
1: In this conversation, I realized that um, today, especially, I need to be very loving and compassionate towards myself. Um, I'd like to share, actually, something that happened yesterday as well. So, I woke up and... It was 3.45 in the morning, and I felt this knot in my stomach, this tightness and and fear. And what was coming up for me was worry around money, worry around am I going to still um, have my job because there's a lot of cutbacks going on at work as well. Um, Basically, it was fear around money and paying bills. And that's something that's come up so many times in my life. Very common theme, um, because of a lot of a lot of events that have happened um, in my past, in my childhood. So my my um, fears around money are based around like lack, instability, not knowing if I'll have a job, um, not knowing if I'll find another job, and when. Um, So basically survival-based uh, programming around money. So I woke up with that familiar feeling, and then the thoughts start going around this, and I thought, well, I'm going to do something a little different. So I got up, and Dr. Joe has a new meditation called Changing Boxes. So it's 4 a.m., and I'm doing the Changing Boxes meditation, you know, getting into the void, into um, – the quantum field, expanding my awareness, my consciousness, leaving my body basically. But still I had the awareness of that heaviness, um, in my abdomen. And so in the meditation, um, he said that there's a door and on the other side of this door is, um, you know, your future self, the way that you want to feel, how would it feel to feel free and relief, um, from this situation so i was allowing myself to feel all of that and then i had this beautiful white light just basically um enter my body through my root chakra um and it was entering my body so fast i started making all of these primal screams and primal sounds because it was just the release and the relief and the bliss of of um the energy dissipating that was so um is so profound and beautiful and and um so after that meditation I went back to sleep for a couple of hours and I woke up and my whole body was just so energized and buzzing and and um so I went out about my day and was running errands, went to the gym and I just found everyone was so cheerful and helpful and happy and that was the reflection of the state of my being from after doing that meditation and then you know as the day is wearing on I started um you know listening to music or you know having conversations that started slowly diminishing and lowering my vibration and then I'd start listening to some YouTube videos that lowered my vibration a little bit and then you know by the time I'm going to bed um you know I'm not really feeling the same kind of Ah, alignment that I did in the morning and it's just so interesting it's like okay you get to a beautiful aligned space and then it's like why am I making the decisions and and listening to the content and having the conversations that my old self would have Um, and I knew I was lowering my vibration and I'm aware that I'm doing this and yet I was doing it like why can't why wasn't I just Wanting to feel good and staying in that good feeling place. And it's like, okay, well, now I wake up again today and I feel these heavy emotions. And it's like starting from ground zero again. (laughs) Like, why do people do that? Do you have an answer?
0: Well, I do, actually. Um, So it's kind of like gravity. You know, like we have uh, our energy systems... um, basically have a, a knowledge and a memory. And so when we're in a lower vibrational energy and we use something outside of ourselves to increase our vibration, so all of a sudden we're feeling blissful and all this stuff, It's our chemicals are changing, all this stuff's happening. And then we, quite naturally, our body wants to be with what it knows. So we start just attracting some of that old stuff, those old patterns back in, and we start dropping our vibration. So what a person has to do is they have to keep it up and keep very aware of staying in that space. And there's nothing wrong with dropping in and out of that high blissful beingness. Um, It just depends how far we drop because it can be very emotional, it can, yeah, it can bring anxiety and depression and all sorts of stuff in that drop. So the more we meditate, and I, I got to say, like, the meditation that you were experiencing from my my experience is kind of a kundalini energy rising. So kundalini energy, when it rises, it can be super profound. And... Um, it can kind of burn out a whole bunch of old stuff in the system, but that doesn't deny that our systems are still trying to be sedated. Our bodies want to be sedated, and that old, those old energy patterns, they kind of have, they kind of have a rhythm and a and a, a force behind them because they've been going for so long, kind of like gravity. So they still keep pulling. So that's why it keeps taking practice. You know, some of the belief systems I've, I follow, you know, it's like suffering doesn't end. That's what they say. And, you know, the first time I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. I don't want to ever believe that. <laughs> but, you know, if, if if we want to experience those high vibration spaces, if if we stayed in those high vibration spaces, we wouldn't experience any contrast. And experiencing the contrast like that you're in today is allowing you to dive deeper into some belief systems, some old patterns that you want to break and just let go of. But even if you don't let go of them, and you let yourself, but you let yourself drop into the actual joy of. Loneliness, the actual joy of the feelings that you're feeling, you can experience a bliss even in the in the drops, but you have to be willing to actually let go and be in them as much as you're willing to let go and be in the bliss. Mm.
1: Um, do you know who Kyle ceases?, is?
0: Um, yeah, I think he's. Uh, yeah, I kind of know who he is, but not very well.
1: So I've been listening to him quite a bit lately. Um, I found him uh, because uh, Dr. Joe's week long event in Portland. Um, one of the one of the men on my team. Uh, He's an art professor and a fine artist and he's working with Kyle Sees directly. Um, Kyle was just at one of his art shows as a speaker and launching his book. And basically Kyle's a comedian and now he talks about um, heart-based businesses and spirituality and I just, I absolutely love, you know, his message. So Kyle says to you know sit with whatever you're in like for me it would be i'm feeling really lonely today and i love that Mm -hmm. to really bring the awareness and, and the love to that moment and just hold yourself in a space of love while still feeling you know the loneliness because I think that's what, what, that's what we're trained to not do. We're trained to deny that part of ourselves and push away the, the shadows and the darker aspects of our, our emotions and our feelings, push them away by, you know, using alcohol or drugs or media. Or for me, it's, um, scrolling, looking at pictures on Instagram and then, you know, judging my own life is not good enough while I'm looking at all of these other people's lives. And then it just kind of like feeds that shame and and the sadness and the loneliness even more rather than just taking a step back and being like, you know,
0: and, and I really... The, f- the funny yeah. thing is you're not looking at their lives anyway. You're looking at the facades <laughs> that they present.
1: Yes, I'm comparing myself to something that's not even real and and reinforcing that like feedback loop of shame and not good enough while I'm trying to avoid my loneliness. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> well, it is.
0: <laughs> hmm. So where are you right now? What are you feeling?
1: I, you know, I still, I still feel like um, a heavy sadness, but it's, it's not something that I'm wanting to avoid at the moment. Mm-hmm. Or that I'm actively avoiding at the moment, and you know it's kind of funny because I want to, I want to bring my best self um, to, for example, this podcast, or I want to bring my best self to my art. I want to bring my best self um, to my friends, and and um, when I'm interacting with other people, and I also judge my best self as not being able to be sad like why isn't being sad also part of me it's you know I I consider that not part of my best self but what if what if we as humans can take every aspect of ourselves and and um, realize that it's part of a collective experience we all experience sadness and loneliness at some point or isolation and also say, you know what? Like that's good enough. I'm good enough in that moment. That's something that, um, had you not requested for me to come on and talk to you, um, I, I definitely wouldn't have felt good enough to do that, in the state that I'm, that I was in, and that I'm in right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think my invite was because I can understand that we can drop into those places of fear fear of you know being seen in the moment we're in and myself i find all these moments beautiful and that's from doing quite a bit of work on myself and just allowing and yeah, reading lots of old uh, tantra texts and different things but yeah so what are you doing for like self-help now like what's really working for you what's 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 true for you
1: um what i've been what i've been really into uh what i've been introduced to a couple of months ago is a book called the gene keys by richard rudd i'm not sure if you've heard of that book no um but it basically uh if you go to his website, uh, genekeys.com, I believe it is. There's an ex- beautiful explanation about, um, how he created the gene keys. And it's basically, uh, there's 64 genes that, um, and descriptions, 64 descriptions that he has. So part of, uh, part of us, Uh, energetically is incarnated um, into this planet based on the energetics and and you know where the planets are aligned and the date of our birth and where we're born things like that so there's an energetic signature and imprint um that we have already and um so he basically created the gene keys and it's it's based off of the i ching as well chinese i ching and so we have these genes that each one represents a shadow aspect, and this is energetic, uh, a shadow aspect of ourselves, um, a gift aspect. So what what we can evolve into when we learn to um, incorporate the shadow and learn from it, and then a city, which is like a highly enlightened state. So... Um, on his website you can enter your birth date your birthplace time of birth and then it comes up with what's called a Venus sequence and Venus sequences your individual um, life path based on these 64 gene keys so um so i did that and i bought the book gene keys and i'm reading through it and and one of my um shadows is depression and Um, one of my shadows is also agitation. And those are two things that I've really struggled with in my life. And I just thought it was such a interesting, it was such an interesting book because it's so detailed. So just to be able to read that and have the awareness that, okay, you know, maybe these things are here as my gift, so that I can evolve into a gift, so that I can evolve um, to be um, the best version of myself, I just, I, I liked it personally, because it helped me to make sense out of my own struggles, so that's something that I really appreciated, and it's just in the awareness and the contemplation of of knowing what my shadows are because sometimes I know I can go inwards, I can journal, I can write about these things, but, you know, when there's something else that says it's okay to have these shadows, these shadows uh, will also provide an amazing gift. It sort of gave me a permission to to acknowledge and allow it to be there rather than condemn parts of my life rather than condemn my um, depression. I've had, I have, I had depression for many years. A lot of it was situational and I don't feel like I have depression. I get depressed. I get anxious and I think everyone does, but I don't live in that state chronically and constantly anymore. So I've, I've been really appreciating the gene keys and of course doing Dr. Joe's meditations. That is, that is phenomenal i mean i've i've done other forms of meditation like um the hemi-sync i've tried which is from the monroe institute i've also tried holo-sync and dr joe's guided meditations for me personally have have been um the most healing have brought the most light into my body the most organization the most entropy and so I do his meditations every day um I've also been working with someone to do a lot of um childhood healing work and I don't know what the modality would be called and it's funny because I'm working with someone he's I met him through um through a Dr. Joe event that I did. He's 86 years old and he's been doing, you know, he's been um, doing childhood work on himself and meditating and, um, you know, breaking patterns, all of that for the last 45 years. And so something within me just said, okay, you know, work with this person um, on your childhood issues. And I specifically went to work with him around relationships because um, I'm 32 years old, and I've never been engaged. My last relationship uh, was four years, and that ended a year and a half ago. Um, I want a family. I want, um, I want a long-term monogamous relationship. That's where I feel most drawn to. That's where I feel most drawn to. That's where I feel most secure. And obviously, it's the relationship with myself that... I need to work on and change it's not you know trying to get someone outside of me and so I'm I've been working with this uh, healer and we've been going uh, deep into some of my childhood um, moments that were extremely painful and and so in a in a light meditative state I'm there and I'm in these moments and you know, I'm able to talk to a parent or express something that I couldn't when I was really young. Or, you know, maybe I'm a baby and and I'm alone in in the uh, in the hospital because I wasn't with my mom right after birth. And I, and I was there and I was able to hold myself and comfort and soothe myself as a baby and basically change that memory and change those energetics um, within my body, within my nervous system. And, um, and then bring in – there are times when you know, I've brought in a whole new memory where I've um, you know, created new, new parents and how would that feel if I had you know, the love and support that I fully needed. So that's also something that I've been working on. And that's been uh, one of them b- besides that and Dr. Joe's meditations, I mean those two things lately have been the most healing – uh most healing work that I've been doing because it's been changing my um my nervous system, how it responds, how it reacts. And then I've been able to learn how to really hold myself and rep- in in a space of compassion and love and reparent myself in moments that I would have just felt utterly alone and and that's been it's
0: been wonderful. One thing I'd like to do on the show is maybe like talk about something that was vulnerable that you've moved through or experienced. And yeah, maybe something from your childhood or something that you've experienced. And yeah, and maybe how you've moved through it.
1: Something vulnerable from my childhood.
0: Maybe something from your shadow side. Yeah doesn't even have to be from your childhood could be recent Mm.
1: oh no no I'm I'm just I'm just I just thought oh there's so many things what (laughs) what's something I could tell you well (laughs) okay so um so my mom and dad um they had me um they gave birth my mom gave birth to me before they were married and so my mom basically was both of my parents were in a space of of dysfunction, very disconnected from their hearts. They weren't in love. My mom wanted a baby. I think she wanted someone to be able to love her. she wanted to be able to love someone in whatever capacity she could. you know, she felt really alone and um, and just biologically she she wanted someone else and so so she found my dad and you know he had a stable job um, but wasn't a loving caring person and so she got pregnant had me and then they decided to get married a year later and uh, marriage didn't last long uh, and they ended up separating when I was two and a half but what I what I came to remember in my body during my sessions is that they were both using me as a tool of rage and anger and manipulation and hatred towards one another you know I wasn't getting the love and respect that a human being should be having at that age I was um, used in the court system as as a means of you know controlling the other person or um, punishing the other person does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, do you mean like you're being used as leverage or something? Yes,
1: yeah, being used as leverage, basically. So um, at that time, my mom accused my dad of molesting me Mm -hmm. as a young girl. And so um, he went through lie detector tests. And my mom, I had to go to therapy. Um, I had to be evaluated by a therapist. She went through therapy, so... Um, At the end of the day, he didn't do it. Uh, I've had conversations with him. I've had um, my body tested, subconscious tests, subconsciously tested, all of these things. And and so in her mind, she was trying to protect me, but also she was very angry at my dad, angry at her life, angry at her parents, right? And Mm -hmm. just unconsciously making all of these decisions and creating a lot of drama and rage that was being projected uh, towards my dad. And I was in the middle of it. So, you know, those, those energetics and those emotions that were around me at that time, um, affected, affected my, um, my ability to process my own emotions um, so subconsciously I took on like the persona of a caretaker because I felt like I felt like I needed to be loved I needed to adapt I needed to survive and so I needed to somehow absorb and take on and caretake for my mom and her emotional traumas at the time and so that's an aspect of my childhood that I needed to work through and how that played out when I was older is that I was extremely emotionally repressed and I didn't know how to, in a healthy way, express anger and rage and I would bottle it up and then eventually it would just um, come out in a really unhealthy way. Like I would just yell and shout and like my brain would be pounding and it's sort of like I had very little control in those moments of, rage um, uh, for what at uh, what I was saying and and it was very harmful and hurtful to the people that I was projecting that rage onto because I had no idea how to process anger and express it in a healthy way and so I tended to also choose relationships and partners and friends that were avoidance, very avoidance people and so then that would you know bring on my anger and bring it up and um and so i would just be repeating the same kinds of patterns that i learned how to um, that i learned how to take on and adapt in childhood
0: mm mm-hmm. so um have you gone through any abandonment uh, repairing processes <sighs>
1: Well, I would have to say the, the most repairing thing that I've done is the meditation because um, even though I was emotionally abandoned a lot in childhood, I also was abandoning myself. And so that's the um, that was a large part of my healing and I'm open to doing other things. But what repaired my abandonment the most was being able to not abandon myself, being able to come back to myself and hold myself essentially in and be with myself. Mm -hmm. And that's still something I'm working on clearly because today I was avoiding emotions, avoiding loneliness. So it's a constant process. I don't, I don't think that these things happen overnight. And I find that healing happens in layers. You know, it's like just when you think that something is incorporated or, um, you know, something will happen and you're like, Oh, there it is again. Right. <laughs> yeah. And those are the times when you really, you know, when you really have to lean into it, lean into yourself and, and feel everything. But, um, but yeah, it was just, it was me abandoning myself. It was me abandoning my emotions. It was me abandoning my experience. I had to really reconnect with my body and my emotions and what I'm feeling Um, that was, uh, an interesting process in itself. And, uh, and so if people leave me, which, which they do, I mean, I still have people in my life that I care for that maybe they don't talk to me. Um, or maybe they just stop talking to me and I don't know why, you know, I still have that in my life. People still, you know, quote-unquote, abandon me if I wanted to create a story around it, but I don't abandon myself anymore mm-hmm. to nearly to the degree that I did. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so the, I mean, looking at your story, it sounds like you you were not in a nurturing environment when you were young, so you would not have learned how to nurture yourself or others so the that's a big learning process for you i believe oh
1: absolutely that's that absolutely and um for the longest time i didn't want to have kids because i didn't feel connected to nurturing no. i i never thought that i'd want kids
0: yeah you know i was you know when i was younger i was the same way and um i didn't think i wanted kids and then i had one and you know she really you know push me to become a nurturer to move into all those spaces that I was avoiding and uh yeah, and she's turned out very aware and very beautiful and uh, very grateful
1: do you have any experiences with abandonment or any perspectives on abandonment?
0: Yeah, you know that's you know that's my thing too was abandonment um you know, I don't really know the stories as maybe as well as you do for when I was younger. But I do remember my mother was very much a man-hater. And uh, I was the boy of the family. And I was ignored a lot. You know, I I felt uh, isolated and, yeah, and basically abandoned and not nurtured by her. Um, you know, and it's not 100% of the time... But I think enough of the time that uh, that it really set in, and you know, over the years, growing up with uh, with a, a man hater as a mother, um, yeah, just uh, put a lot of things in me. I can't say put a lot of things in me, but uh, didn't allow me to feel nurtured. Um, and I I went through some nurturing um, workshops where. We identify our nurturer, and when I went really deep, my nurturer wasn't my mom. It was, you know, for for a younger part of my life was my stepdad, which really kind of shocked me, um, because he was also the, um, what would you call it, the uh, uh, punisher. So, yeah, he was the nurturer and punisher, mm-hmm. which... Okay. Uh, was kind of odd but anyway, so you know to sum things up yeah I've I've had my share of abandonment stuff and you know that just led me to codependent uh, relationships and and uh, you know I've, since I've been divorced, I've really you know I've been jumping off the edges I've been doing all lots of work to become whole to dive into my wholeness and yeah you know that's a huge part of it was learning to nurture myself and that's why when I come to the story of the park where I can now sit completely alone I can enjoy that space because I'm self-nurturing and it's taking practice it's taking hard work it's taking a lot of awareness um, and I think the biggest thing is taking is courage to to make the jumps to you know identify with the opportunities that pop up for me you know if if we can look at the universe as this amazing place of opportunities that continually manifest to help us uh, evolve there's so many opportunities that have come my way to help me move into the place I'm in now and and in saying that I don't want to sound like I'm at the place um cuz I'm not I still have lots of room to grow and you know and I still drop into loneliness I still drop into all those heavy emotional states but when I'm there I can start to find joy in them and I can start to see my way through instead of being, um, blogged down into them, instead of feeling like there's nothing else but this heavy state. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question.
1: It does. Do you find, because I was in a codependent relationship as well, um, my four year one, I was the codependent. Um, do you find that codependents are more likely to self-abandon than other people?
0: Well, I don't. Huh. That's a good question. Self-abandon. I don't know about that because, you know, I have my experience. And I can only really speak from there. So, yeah, I I don't know. Huh. What are your thoughts?
1: Um... I, th- I think they do quite a bit, but all, t- all types of people self-abandon. And um, I think, well, I don't think, but from my experience, one of our core wounds as humans, as a species, as humanity, is feeling disconnected from your higher self, your divine self, from from source from the universe or whatever you want to call it from God. Mm-hmm. I think in what, in whatever scenario or situation that a person experiences that disconnection, it could be, you know, when you're born, it could be, um, you know, during childhood, it could be during a trauma, who knows, but I, but whatever story that you create that disconnects you from your higher self, to me, that's self abandoning and that's the core wound that we all have to deal with. And then that manifests environmentally in different forms, you know, like it could be a codependent, it could be a narcissist, it could be, it could be, you know, all types of different, um, what we consider mental illnesses, which they're not illnesses, they're coping strategies. And I think what we're trying to cope with is the separation from the divine, from our divine selves.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, uh, I was reading in a book. I don't even remember what book this was one time. I, I think it was a book on Kashmir Shaivism, but a, the statement was basically, we come from the divine, and when we're born here, we do, the rest of our life is, a, you know, a struggle to get back to the divine. And
1: yeah.
0: This is very true. Um, and that divine wholeness i guess we can call it our divine truth or whatever i that is my that is my goal right now is to focus on that and you know be in that as much as possible i would like to be in that 100% of the time because when i am in that divine truth that's when i can sit in the park and not be worried about anything because i'm experiencing everything in, in its infinity yeah so your divine truth is something that may be evolving all the time. I don't know, or is it just uh, something that's constantly? Yeah, I don't. It
1: feels it feels more like it's un uncovering, and in a way, a remembering.
0: Yeah. So could you say that you know anybody, any teachers or anything that uh, flow in their divine truth 100% of the time?
1: Oh, 100% of the... I don't know that any human does. But, um, you know, I've, I've listened to uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti. I'm not sure if you know who that is. But um, he was basically raised by Annie Besant. Um, in theosophy and they thought that he was the second coming of jesus and that he would be this huge global spiritual leader and the um and the people that raised him were setting him up to you know to be that way and he basically had this um incredible kundalini type of enlightening experience very intense and he walked away from all of that and said no like, I don't want people to worship me or follow me or any of these things. Um, so I've listened to a lot of his YouTube videos. I, I believe he passed away in the 1980s. But there's videos of him on YouTube. And he talks about, his, like, what a truth in the way that he knows it in such a way that it's a little sobering. And... And I appreciate his perspective, but I don't believe that any one person who has reached a higher degree of enlightenment has the absolute truth and perspective because they're expressing it through their own level of understanding and language. And then us, you know, as other humans listening to it, the way that we understand a word or a series of words um, will be translated differently in our minds.
0: And I honestly don't believe that enlightenment, or you know, even further than that, I think might be grace um, when we're actually flowing with the divine. Um, I really don't think we can communicate that, how it feels, how it's presented, how to move into it. I think we can only allude to through our glasses to what it is like
1: if you're if you experience enlightenment and you're describing it to someone else you're describing a simulation of it or a uh not the totality of it
0: and a memory of it
1: yeah you know it's it's like i've done ayahuasca a few times and it's such an intense experience and there's so many um sensations in it there's so many frequencies and dimensions that you're able to reach and to describe it to i can't describe it i can i can describe it to such a small degree but if you have never done it or experienced it you can't you can't know it Mm -hmm. you know i think that enlightenment is the same way you have to be it and know it And you can't give it to someone else.
0: Right. So I um, started teaching or directing um, a Tandava meditation. So in this Tandava meditation, it's basically um, free flow yoga without any postures. And it starts off very quiet and we feel the vibration that's within us. So we tune into different parts of the body to start feeling this vibration. So that's also something that um, is tantric based. We talk about the human body and the energy and being conscious, etc, etc. But in this meditation, we go through being super, super, super present with the body and the energy of the body and then we start to expand that awareness beyond the body to the room, to the people in the room, to the people outside of the room and the experience for people can be enlightening you can drop into a space of grace and everybody has their own experience Um, the last event I held one of the participants was looking very, um, his eyes were kind of glazed over and he would walk to a part of the room and just kind of be staring at something. And it wasn't really something in particular, but he, and then a few, you know, 10 minutes later, he'd be in another part of the room looking at maybe the light beams on the floor and just standing there for about eight minutes or something. And I was wondering if you know i started into this thing about oh, you know is this about me am i not guiding this right is he just lost interest because it was so different than what uh, how most people process and so you know uh, about halfway through i said are you all right and he was yeah it's amazing and so i just left him and near the end i had you know i had my own experience i laid on the floor You know, know, just flowing in this energy. And and part of the movements is just letting the energy move the body. And so the energy moved my hands and put my hands on my face and just held my face. And just in that moment, for me, that was like basically the hands of God holding my face. And it felt so... I, I don't even know what the... I don't even know how described a feeling but it was just absolutely amazing and so then I asked that one participant later I said you know how was how was it for you and his answer was was beyond anything I witnessed myself because he was absolutely amazed with how he moved into a space where he could see the energy of the carpet you know the energy coming in the windows you know, he was seeing everything energetically. And yeah, it's just so interesting how we can be in the same space and experience something completely different. And that's all based on where we are in our journey and our travels. It's based on, you know, our whole life and uh, what we're ready to experience. And, and it's just as beautiful for each person. And I don't know if I just went on a tangent.
1: You no. Know, <laughs> you know what came up for me um, when you were talking about different experiences is comparing our experience to another person's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that you were doing that, but that's something that I sometimes do. Um, you know, if if someone's having an amazing uh, meditation and then through that meditation they're able to manifest these events and people and circumstances. And I'm putting in sincere effort (laughs) and my circumstances aren't changing as fast or, you know, maybe my meditation isn't as intense or deep. It's like, you know, where each of us are where we are. But... I still find comparison comes up, even for pe- comparing my experiences to someone else's experiences.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm finding that way less and less now. Um, I, you know, I, I guess if I'm thinking about comparing uh, my experience and being um, envious or something as somebody else's, um, you know, that rarely happens anymore because. I'm you know, in and out of my truth a lot more. So I, I find that the more I'm in my truth, the more I am living authentically.
1: So when you say you're living in your truth, mm-hmm. um, do you mean living in the most aligned state for you?
0: Yes. Yeah. And well, align. I don't know, because alignment, if I think about that, where, where does that come from? Does it come from the mind? Or does that come from the center, like the wholeness part of us? And when I talk about truth, it has nothing to do with my mind. It has everything to do with my wholeness, so my, basically my beingness. So I tune into my heart or, or my body. Like you know, that kundalini energy that you experience rising up your spine. You know, I tune into all that stuff, everything. And I let go of the mental chatter because the mental chatter never has never steered me right. Yeah. It's like a knowing.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Do you find that that knowing and that truth um, is found in your body? Like, are our bodies... Dr. Joe says, our bodies use your body as a tool as an instrument of consciousness.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My body is way more conscious than my mind. Yeah. It it has way more intelligence than my mind. Mm
1: -hmm. And would you say your mind is your brain or your mind is your thoughts?
0: I would say that my thoughts are mostly generated from my mind from my brain. Um, mind and brain, I kind of put them together. I guess there's two parts of the brain, maybe more parts, but uh, two parts that, you know, the subconscious and the conscious. Um, In the conscious part, I just uh, realized that that is the smallest part of my body. And, you know, it's was trying to articulate everything else that's in my body. My subconscious is a record of you know, all the physical experiences in my life and how I process them, et cetera, et cetera. And then this body that's actually, um, yeah, I guess it's the awareness of truth, of our divine truth. And it's the access point to that divine truth. Yeah. I
1: remember when I first started learning about, um, more spiritually based concepts, which wasn't that long ago, maybe um, three, four years ago. Even though I was doing meditation, and you know, I've I've read quite a few books over the years. A lot of these concepts just seems really abstract until I experience them in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if someone has never experienced. Um, Beautiful divine energy flowing through their body, or you know their own truth. If if they're really disconnected um, from their body, from their emotions, from their heart, these concepts are very like intangible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah.
1: And so you know when you come back to talking about enlightenment, you know these these concepts are not are they're only understood when you experience them. It's experiential and very subjective.
0: I've been thinking about that a bit lately, actually, too, because I've been writing a blog and, and of course, doing the podcast, and um, I really want to write and talk in a way that you know, it invites everybody to be able to comprehend and understand the journey And like yesterday, I started a a blog and it, you know, it starts with like, when we move into authentic radiance, we leave the space of shoulds, doubts, and living a life in obedience to others behind. And, you know, I read that after him and I was like, you know, it's accurate, but who really relates to it? Because what does authentic radiance mean? You know... For me, I have experienced authentic radiance, and that's basically being in divine truth and feeling all that energy, you know that just that blissful energy and that power of of self and wholeness just radiating outside of our body. And I you know I get it. I've been there. But if I talked to if somebody else read this blog, they'd be like, "What's all this nonsense?" So how do I, how do I ex- explain something like this in a way that somebody who's never experienced this will be able to maybe understand and transcend their current space?
1: Um, hmm. So the people that you are um, wanting to help, what kind of a space are they in?
0: Well, they can be in any space. I think um, they're going to be in a space of struggle. Yeah, some sort of struggle, and they just want—I just want them to be able to understand the struggle and move beyond uh, that container to experience the fullness of life. Yeah, to start living in their authentic um calling or to realize that you know where they are is authentic you know it is the uh, it it is just right for them and there's there's a beauty in where they are and just sometimes we don't see it we don't open our hearts to experience the presence of where we are because of all these old stories so that's pretty much anyone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just, I I know that when I'm, or when I was struggling and didn't know what to do about it, um, and I'd keep recreating the same perception and the same stories and the same um, patterns of behavior and ways of thinking, I just remember there was a part of my... My body, my subconscious mind—that was so scared of change and the unknown. Even though when I was in my struggle patterns and stories, um, it was hurting me, right? It was harmful. But it was the fear of the unknown that and and the change that kept me in it.
0: Mm-hmm. Aren't we ridiculous beings? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, you know, I for me fearing fearing change came from um constantly moving all the time as a kid my mom would always move us around because maybe she found a different job or um you know, so we'd move closer to the job or she couldn't afford the place we were in anymore so we moved but by the time I was graduating high school I'd lived in 15 different houses and gone to several different schools. So, um, for me, the change that was imposed in my life as a child was always something that involved loss and sadness and loneliness. So I just, I was so scared of change that it sort of, it paralyzed me in many ways in my life. So I didn't really achieve and expand in ways that I could have had I had a more stable um, support system and upbringing.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. So how many schools did you go to? Do you remember?
1: Um, qu- probably around 10 different schools yeah. by the time I graduated high school. So, um, so I, I tended to isolate myself, um, you know, and people thought I was shy, but I just was really, I didn't want to lose more people. I didn't want to connect to people and kids and then lose them.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I went to eight different schools growing up, moved around lots too. And uh, yeah, I I kind of experienced that, um, not intentionally, but I did find that, uh, after that experience, I I became a very good judge of character because I really jumping into a school, especially halfway through a year, um, so many times i really got to noticing the different um the different types of people the different groups you know you know what was safe to approach what wasn't safe to approach you know how i you know then all of a sudden i was you know was i being myself was i being in my truth and i wasn't lots of the time because yeah um, starting new schools can be pretty pretty brutal um and acting acting a certain way um to fit in starts to happen yeah and so i think i think i played the role a little bit different than you did sounds like you kind of became became more avoidant and i became more um adaptable yeah but then in that adaptability i kind of lost who i was
1: Yeah, it's uh, survival strategies were different. Our survival strategy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I became avoidant. And then in high school, I just did so many activities that um, because I didn't want to just be with myself. I was distracting myself from everything. So I did sports, I did music did music at lunchtime, studied a lot, uh, worked a part-time job, and uh, just to avoid feeling alone.
0: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And we're right right back at the beginning of our conversation. (laughs) Exactly,
1: exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's something that has been a theme in my life, and now I can, I still feel it, it still comes up. Um, but I, I handle it a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I still fall back into old patterns of wanting to avoid it and do do something to avoid it. But eventually today I would have meditated or done something and just sat with it. <laughs> because there's a there's a certain threshold that I reach now a lot sooner of like oh I can't be in this anymore. I need to like just. You know, I can't be resisting it anymore. I can be in it, but not resisting it. And the more I resist it, the more I stay in it. That's the biggest thing.
0: That's amazing. Sophia, how would you describe yourself? Like, who are you?
1: Well, um, I'm infinite awareness. Number one. Um, what uh, brings me the most joy and pleasure is to be able to love other people and connect with other people in a meaningful way, in a loving way. And one of the ways that I do that is through making art. I had a very, very healing ayahuasca journey and that allowed me to open up my creativity and my expression. So, I love to express myself through making arts. Um, I love connecting with people. I love um, meditating, healing, going to Dr. Joe events. And I feel like I'm in the process of coming back to my wholeness and the core of who I am so that I can then help other people to find their own path back to wholeness.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful space to be. I love that. Sophia, you have. Um, how can, like, if people wanted to connect with you, can they go to your website or what can they do?
1: I do have a website, um, theartofresin.com. Or they could find me on Instagram, theartofresin. So I like to connect to people through Instagram as well. Or they could just look me up on Facebook, Sophia Jogola.
0: So, last name spelt J O G O L A. And so yes. I guess Sophia is S O F I A. That's right. Okay. Well, you know what? I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Last time I talked to you, I just loved talking to you too. Uh, it just seems to be a nice flow. Yeah. So, thank you for diving in today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I really appreciate it as well, being able to have this conversation. And it was also very um, healing for me to be able to talk to you today.
0: I'm honored to take part of that, to be in that process for you. And, you know, like when we talk about healing, it's, it's interesting because I also feel that I got some healing here, too
1: yeah and you know i'm 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 so thankful that we did this today, and that I just i showed up as I am rather than trying to put on an act or be someone else other than someone other than how I'm feeling today,
0: somebody other than you <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 well, yeah. You're a pretty amazing person. Like you're very aware, and yeah, I appreciate that. I think every time I talk to you, I just I just get to know more of you. And uh, you're not you're not putting up some bullshit um, facade.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're welcome. Talk to you later, Sophia. All
1: right. Enjoy your day.
0: <laughs> Thank you. You too. Bye. And uh my website is rogermetz.com. And this podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening <laughs>